This is Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right, welcome to the George Lobby Junior Show, and thanks everybody for tuning tuning in. Thanks for listening. It really is appreciated. Thank you so much uh, for your kind words about the show and and some of some of the things that I write. Uh, thank you so much for that. And um, uh, we were off yesterday. Uh, it was unexpected, but uh, it happens. It totally happens. So I mean, anytime that uh, uh, you can't get the show live, you can always podcast one of the um, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of shows that are, that are available on uh, Block Talk Radio, on, on, this, on my website, on Block Talk Radio. They're always there. So, and we, we will try, I will try to always be live if I can, but sometimes it's, it's not warranted for some reason. Anyway, thanks everybody for tuning in. And, and for those who will tune in or podcast later, that's great. Um, my guest today is Joshua Shay. Shay. Uh, making the world a better place. That's what this is all about. The George Wanda Jr. Show is now on the air. Hate lies. Hate lies. Hate. Somebody wrote this wrong. Hate and lies have no room here. There is always, if there is something wrong with making a mistake, what is wrong is, there's actually, there is nothing wrong with making, making a mistake. What's wrong is, uh, not taking the effort to uh, make it right. Okay, that was the way it was supposed to read. <laughs> All right, welcome to the George. One more time, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show, and uh, we're just gonna have a. Uh, we're just gonna hang out, right? Hang out and just hang out, right? All right, another. Okay, we have to talk about this, folks. The, the Trump administration. Another person has resigned, uh, is stepping down from the Trump administration, former Goldman Sachs executive, a rich guy, okay? Uh, Former uh, Goldman Sachs executive has served as Trump's chief economic advisor since the president's inauguration. All these people, I mean, it it is a revolving door at the Trump's White House. And all of this affects America as a whole. I mean, Trump cannot keep his his inner circle together because all these people don't want to work for him. Uh, he may fire them because they said something that he did not like. They might have said <laughs> they say things he don't like, and you know he fires them. And to say, and it comes out they resign. Who would resign a job like that? Most people can't stand working with Donald Trump. That's why there's so many uh, positions that are still vacant in his administration that he should be filling. He can't fill them because nobody wants to, wants to work because this guy is going to be going to jail, hopefully, very, very, very soon if Bob Mueller hurries up, speed it up, you know. So Gary Cohen, who has served the president, uh, President Donald Trump, I, I don't like calling Trump president, and a lot of us do not like calling him president because he's not president as far as I'm concerned. He's a Russian plant. He was installed by Russia. He's a traitor. He's, I mean, he is a traitor. He, everything that America stands for, he's against, it seems, you know. And uh, 
I don't like calling him president. I guess the press has to call him president because it's their job. He is a fake president. He is, um, as the program, um, I think there's a program somewhere on cable television, uh, and it's about Trump called a cartoon president. He is a cartoon president. He, he's worse than that. I've said some, I on Facebook and some other uh, websites, oh, some other social media websites, I've said some awful things about Donald Trump. But the, some of the things that I've said about Donald Trump cannot equal what America as a whole is saying about this guy. Some of the comments, some of the posts, I, I can't even say on this show because it's too graphic. <laughs> it's too graphic. You know, um, one of the things I don't advocate, I don't advocate any harm to, to be done to anybody. But the fact is that Donald Trump, he wants harm to happen to us. I mean, Donald Trump is trying to get rid of food. People, he's trying to get rid of uh, food. People, you know, food stamps for box lunches or something like that. And he's messing with our health. He's messing with science. He's messing with everything that we live off of. He's messing with the country. So Donald Trump, and I've said this a thousand times, I think Donald Trump and the Republicans are the enemy of the American people. And they are because their war is with us, not with Korea, not with Russia, not with Iran or any other rogue country. Donald Trump and the Republicans, they have a war with the American people. And I do believe that Trump is out to destroy America in the name of Russia because he will not say anything erroneous or or bad about Russia. He will not even put the sanction of sanctions on them when they have been voted for and it's on his desk for him to sign. He will not do it. He will not say anything bad against Vladimir Putin, even though with all the proof that's coming out that they have hacked the elections and they may uh, try to mess with the upcoming midterms election. Obviously, the Republicans really want Russia to screw with the uh, upturn, uh, excuse me, with the midterm elections, because they're, they're, I mean, poll-wise, they're in the gutter. Everybody's saying they're going to lose. It's going to be a swamp. It's going to be a blue wave. It's going to be a tsunami. And even the Republicans know it. That's why a lot of these guys are getting out, quitting. But if they are, but but if they are involved at all. Any with Russia, you can run, but you can't hide. You can resign your job, but uh, uh, Mueller is still coming after you. you you're gonna still, if, if you're guilty, you're gonna still serve time in prison for for um, being traitorous against America, uh, going against the Constitution uh, to protect American citizens and uh, American soil. And we all know that's not happening. So he will leave his role as director. Of the National Economic Council in coming weeks, according to the New York Times, which is which first reported the news that this guy was leaving. Wow. And financial watchers expect U.S. stocks to drop in the wake of the announcement. Futures for the Dow Jones and industrial average were down roughly one three point percent um 
while the SP 500 futures were down. I mean, yeah, uh, this is going to have an economic impact. I mean, Trump just can't keep firing people. People just can't be quitting. That's bad, and that looks bad for the economy. That spells bad for U.S. stocks and everything. I mean, this is another wedge in bringing the country to its knees. Trump never, ever had the uh, tension of making America great again. America was already great. He, I, I would probably say at this point, since Trump has been, America has fallen um, uh, to the lowest level ever in its standing in the world. And that's no doubt about it. I mean, this, this, is, this is a mess. Time you look around, somebody's leaving. These people are realizing that it's thankless job working for someone who changes his mind on a whim. And that's Trump. Trump changes his mind. I mean, you. This is why I have said so many times. I don't. I don't believe anything he says. I don't pay attention to anything he says because he talks out of his ass. Every time he talks, he talks out of his ass. Um, he'll say something like, you know, tariff this, tariff that. And the next morning, the next morning, yeah, he gets up. He have a, a epiphany, and he changes his mind. And I always say it's not what Donald Trump says; it's what he does. So. At this point, a lot of Americans are going to stop paying attention to what he pulls out of his ass and throws out there at the American people uh, because it's just not uh, true, you know. It, it, it's, it's, it's awful um, the way he changes his mind. And he'll probably try to say that he never said it. And a lot of the things that Donald Trump has said, he said he never said it. Even if, <laughs> even if there's videotape of him saying it, there's recordings of him saying it. He'll say, "I never said that." That's somebody imitating my voice or something. He will say he never said it. So, so another rat climbs down. Um the line of safety, Trump's ship of state is quickly becoming a ghost ship. I mean, yeah, everybody seems to be leaving Donald Trump. I mean, everybody seems to be jumping off the boat and uh, they don't want to work for him. They know that they know that indictments into this Russia meddling, into obstruction of justice, into con collusion, into lying, pathologically lying every time he opens his mouth delusional, demented, delusional, demented, you name it, mentally ill, mentally crazy, mentally unstable, unethical. <laughs> there are so many adjectives, negative adjectives on Donald Trump that you can use, but he doesn't think so. He thinks he's the greatest and the smartest person in the world and everybody else is just dumb shit. When it's actually Donald Trump who is dumb shit, and we all know that. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio, uh, 617 straight up Chicago time. And I've been talking about, we've been talking about um, Gary Cohn. That's, that's familiar, sounds familiar, at least to me. Gary Cohn, uh, the former Goldman Sachs executive has served, who has served as Trump's chief economic advisor since the president inauguration, the guy has resigned. It's just 
phenomenal. See, all of this affects America. This affects America. This makes us look bad. This makes us look weak. And there's no doubt about it. I mean, leaders uh, all around the world are laughing at the United States. But I always say, don't laugh at us. Laugh at Donald Trump. Laugh at the plastic president. Laugh at the cartoon president. Laugh at a president that should never have been a president. His his surrogates will say, well, you just pissed off because you guys lost. No. No. We're pissed off because uh, we have a traitor in the White House. Someone who doesn't see America as as America. And his biggest war, the Republicans' biggest war, is with us, the American people. And one of the reasons why? Because they know that, because Donald Trump knows that the majority of American people hate his guts. Americans doesn't, they don't just do not like Donald Trump. They hate Donald Trump. They despise Donald Trump. They can't stand him. And that scares me <laughs> because uh, not because I, I can agree with not liking Donald Trump, but but, you know, you really don't want to see Americans fuming with hate. I guess that's what I'm saying. No, I'm never a Donald Trump supporter. I'm not a spokesman for him. I think he stinks. Uh, but as I've said earlier, um, the American public, I mean, there's nothing I can say about Donald Trump that somebody else somewhere hasn't already said even tougher than I have. I mean, Americans hate Donald Trump. They despise him. They can't stand him. Some are wishing he would drop dead in his own puke. I mean, this is this stuff is all over social media and Twitter and all. Of, um, you know, I will report the news. I was, I was, you know, I was, I will talk about what's going on. But yeah, I can't stand him either. But you know, I, I like to see him uh, go to jail. A lot of folks are saying they want to see Donald Trump impeached. I want to see him go to prison. I think impeachment is just too easy. He'll just go back to Mar-a-Lago and play golf after an impeachment hearing. Of course, yeah, he'll be out of the White House. But what he's done to this country, he needs to serve time. He needs to be put under the jail. I mean, he really, I mean, he needs to be put in solitary confinement for what he's done and more likely to do. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. There is nothing wrong with making a mistake. What is wrong is not taking the effort to make that mistake right again. And um, we've been off the air for a little while, folks, about maybe three or four days. And I, I could say that I'm ready and raring to go, but, you know, <laughs> things sometimes don't, don't work out that way. Anyway, thanks for tuning into the George Wilder Jr. Show. Thanks for listening. Um, as I've said before, my guest is Joshua Shea, author. You know, there are so many books that are being written every day, all the time. It's phenomenal at how many books are being published every year, every six months. I'm talking about in the millions, in the millions. And you as an author and myself, 
being an author. I, I think that's what makes one of the reasons, not not the reasons, to why sales some sometimes slack. Like I was at Target this morning, and uh, I was at Target and and um, just about every time I go to Target, it's one of my favorite stores. Okay, sue me. Okay. Uh, And every time I go to Target or some other big box store or just some other store, and you go to the the uh, the department where they sell books, there is nobody. No matter how crowded the store is, there is n- never anybody around where the books are being sold. And that for CDs also, the musical, you know. Uh, the the artists who see these out and they're in the store those two departments from where i have observed when when we go to target or some other big box stores the book <laughs> the book department where they sell books fiction non-fiction and the musical cds the department i never see you might have uh, noticed that too wherever you go the uh, and that's why we don't have we have no borders anymore, no borders or anything like that. And I think the only bookstores that we have actually are online. But if you go to some of these big box stores like Sears, uh, Carson Peary Scott, or uh, Kmart, which is probably no more. But anyway, uh, you go to the book department. There's nobody standing around the books. There's nobody browsing, looking at books. And it's a, a it'd be a ton of them out there, you know. And also, you go to the CD department. You you want to buy your favorite artist, your favorite mu- musician or singer. There is no one uh, standing or browsing in the music area, the CD area. That's why so many stores nowadays are saying they're going to stop selling CDs. They're going to stop having musical CDs in their stores. And then later on, they're going to stop selling books. They're going to stop having books in their stores because these are two items that do not sell. And this is why they're getting rid of them. But it was a news story the other day that uh, a lot of these companies, uh, a lot of these big box and these enormous stores are not going to be selling CDs anymore. And I fear that's the same thing that's going to happen with books. Books. And I think one of the reasons why this is happening is because um, I lost my thought. <laughs> I think one of the things, one of the reasons this is happening is just that uh, the internet. Okay, you got you got um, Barnes and Nobles; they're still around, they're online. Uh, but then you got the elephant in the room, which is Amazon. Okay, and and speaking of music, you have all these music uh, websites online where you can stream music, download music. You've got you got YouTube where you can go and listen to music for free, and, and you can even download it and put it on your desktop um, by just about by anybody almost. And it's sad because we're losing two great. Um, items, books, 
new books, brand new books, and um, by the latest uh, authors, and we're losing CDs. So if you want to get a CD by Adele or you want to get a CD by Taylor, Taylor Swift or, or Jay-Z, you may have to go online to stream it live, to, to download it online, but you'll still have to pay, uh, you know. But, um, you know, it, it's sad that those two things are, are ending or have ended, you know. So books and CDs, you're not going to find them no more. You, uh, later on down the road, you're not going to find them in the store anymore. Some stores have already, as I've got to saying, some stores have already uh, refused to stock CDs anymore. They don't care who they're by, you know, just, you know, so. But DVDs, movies, uh, <laughs> you know, they may be the next to go. Who knows? Anyway, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. And um, we'll be back. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. Once again, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show, and I want to thank people for downloading and podcasting the show. And I want to also thank people for putting the, putting the um, this show, the website, the link onto their uh, uh, web pages uh, or, or websites, and that's always a good thing. All right, thanks for everybody. I, I just got to thank everybody when they do nice things and everything, you know. But you know, it, it's a George Wilder Jr. Show, and we're all about making the world a better place. Lord knows we need it. <laughs> All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. George, it's Josh. Hey, Joshua Shea on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Thanks for doing the show. Thanks for coming aboard. You sound great, man. Give everybody a little bit of your bio and tell us uh, a little bit uh, about what you do. 
Okay, well, my name is Joshua Shea. I live in central Maine. Um, the reason that I am uh, appearing on your show right now is to let the, everybody know that uh, uh, my first book, a memoir, came out recently. Um, it's called The Addiction Nobody Will Talk About, How I Hurt, How I Let My Pornography Addiction Hurt People and Destroy Relationships. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, as the title, as the title states, um, I, for about 20 years, had a pornography addiction that I hid from everybody that I you know, knew and loved. Um, I also had uh, you know, an addiction with alcohol as well that I didn't hide as well. But um, yeah. over, those, over those 20 years, I became a very well-known professional um, in my community. I started a lifestyle magazine. I launched one of Maine's okay. largest film festivals. And I even became a local wow. politician serving on my city council. Um, Congrats. Unfortunately, but, thank you. Well, thank you. That was it, was, it was not a wonderful experience, but uh, I, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was But you pulled yourself out I of guess. it. I, you pulled yourself up. Well, I did. I mean, I, I, my, my, mm. big, my big crash, though, was that uh, I um, made the mistake um, in mid-2013, my Businesses were starting to show signs of weakness, and I just stress was mounting, and there were problems, some problems at home. I made the horrible decision to pull myself off of my bipolar medication, um, which I'd been on for about 10, 15 years. Um, I was mm-hmm. diagnosed bipolar in my early 20s. Um, I thought that I might be able to save my businesses if I took myself off my medication, and that would allow my manic side to come through. And then I could work 18 hours a day, 19 hours a day, and then save what might be a, a sinking ship. Unfortunately, what happened was the manic never came, and my alcohol use and my pornography use skyrocketed um, and became worse than it ever, ever had been to the point where um, I ended up in chat rooms talking to women, trying to get them to do uh, certain sexual things on the screen for me. And uh, one day in early 2014, the Maine State Police showed up and let me know that one of those one of those chat rooms was under 18 years old, um, which I didn't know. So I, I uh, immediately was and booked on uh, having uh, um, found out a few months later that this uh, person who. I don't know if I thought she was a woman or I don't know if I even cared. She looked like a woman. I wasn't giving any interviews of ages at the time because I was just, I didn't care because this was two in the morning. And uh, ultimately, um, ultimately I ended up having it. It's okay because between the time that I was arrested and the time that I started serving my sentence, uh, that was almost two years. And I was able to get myself into an inpatient rehab for alcoholism. I went to an inpatient rehab for sex addiction. And then I spent hundreds, if not thousands of hours in one-on-one therapy, in group therapy, and then just voraciously learning about addiction. And uh, when I actually, the day I went to jail was probably the healthiest day of my life up to that point. And I decided- You know, I've heard that same thing. I've heard that same thing. A lot of a lot of guys who 
felt that jail was something that actually was a positive thing, especially with their life spiraling down. It was for me. Yeah, it was for me. And and, and the thing was, I had Mm -hmm. really turned myself around by the time I got to jail, but I spent the time there writing my book. And that's the one that just came out a couple months ago, finally, after all of the editing and all of the publishing stuff and all that. So you're talking about the addiction. You're talking about addiction that will that no one will talk about. That's the book you're talking about. Right. The addiction nobody will talk about. Um, That's the book. And basically, I I wrote it while I was there for two reasons. Um, Uh One, to uh, let people who don't know anything about pornography addiction understand that there is no stereotypical addict. Everybody was shocked when I was arrested. Uh, I'm, you know, I think that people think of uh, addiction as being, you know, the pimply faced 19 year old in his mom's basement who never, ever kissed a girl in real life. And, (laughs) you know, that, that, that's not me. I was a a successful professional, well-known wife and kids. Um, And then the other reason I wrote the book was to let people who might be in the early stages of porn addiction. And there are a lot of them. Uh, to let them yeah. know, to let them know exactly where this addiction can go if they don't take care of it. I want it to be a bit yeah. of a mirror for people to look at themselves and look at their porn use. So, those were the yeah. two things I was I was hoping to achieve with this book, and and that's why I you know come on a show like yours to let people know that porn addiction is real. It's it's affecting so many more people than you'd know. Um, statistics are crazy about how bad it is and how yeah. bad it's getting. But but because it has sex and involves naked ladies, we don't talk about it. <laughs> and that yeah, but uh, you know what? You know what I think? I think addiction in general is just bad. You, you can talk about alcohol addiction; it can be just as uh, 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 it can ruin you just as much as sexual addiction can ruin you. Addiction in, in oh, general, exact, uh, exactly. It, yeah, but but I think. Mm-hmm. I, I think the way that society looks at it, you know, I tell people I'm going off to rehab for alcoholism. You know, I'm patted yeah. on the back and told that I'm a hero for trying to get myself straight. And then I tell people, well, yeah. now I'm going to go to a sex addiction clinic for pornography. They don't want to pat you on the back. They want hand sanitizer. <laughs> you know, they, because, because they want to see you locked it's up. Just viewed, <laughs> right. It, it's exactly. It's viewed very differently. And yeah. at one point, we thought that people who were alcoholics back in the 30s and 40s, we thought people mm. who were alcoholics were insane and they couldn't be helped. And, uh, you know, we've turned we've turned our attitude around about alcoholism. We've turned our attitude around about uh, rehab for alcoholism. And I'm hoping that I can maybe be one of the early voices so that we can start just accepting porn addiction because it's going to be one of the major health crises in the next 50 years if people don't yeah. start addressing it today. I agree. I mean, I think sexual addic- addiction, like you just got through saying, is going to be around a long time. You know, uh, it doesn't matter uh, who's doing it or why they're doing it. It's just out there to be done, and it will be done, you know. And, you know. Well, so, and the um, thing is, with the Internet, with the Internet, uh, you look mm-hmm. at statistics. It's a lot easier. Uh, guys, guys between, <laughs> yeah, guys between the ages of 18 and 30, one third of them say that they think they may have a problem with pornography. That wasn't the case when I was 18 to 30 back, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, because yeah. you had to go mm-hmm. to a store, you had to go to a theater. 
Now, whatever you want is at the end of a click of a button, and it we're sure going to find is. out just how hor- just how horrible that is for our society in the next you know couple decades if we don't figure this out. Because you tell me, you know, I know we're talking a lot about sexual harassment and the Times Up stuff in Hollywood, but you tell me in 25 years what this country looks like when a third of the men are hooked on pornography. And and, and nowadays, right now. 2018, March 2018, uh, it seems as the men have actually taken a bad rap on this sexual harassment thing. It just, it, <laughs> I think it has taken men down a, a notch or two because the women are coming out in droves and they're acting as, as if they're heroes when they take a man down for sexual harassment. And, you know, and sexual harassment, I believe, is a yeah, it's not a good thing. I'm not advocating it, but it is, like you say, uh, a part of society. It's, it's something that just happens. And we can't, in, in 40 years, imagine if we started dealing with sexual harassment back in the 60s or 70s. We mm-hmm. just kept it bottled up, and now it's exploding. Yeah. Look at look at yeah. the opioid crisis. You want to, we're talking about addiction. Mm-hmm. Look at the opioid crisis. You can go back and look at cop shows from the 60s and 70s. I saw an episode of Dragnet on Nick at Night not long ago where uh, it was from 1968, and they're talking about the evils of heroin. Or you go back and you listen to Eminem and other rappers of the late 80s and early 90s. They're talking about abusing Vicodin. It's not like the opioid crisis snuck up on us. We should have seen it coming a million miles away because we've had decades to deal with it. And what I'm trying to tell yeah, people and, is if you, don't, if you don't want this crisis, if you don't want all of a sudden something like the sexual harassment explosion to happen where, you know, right or wrong, it's, it's happening this way. Um, we need, if you don't want this to happen with porn addiction, we need to be proactive in dealing with this, not reactive. And we have quite a reactive yeah. society. Yeah. Author Joshua Shea on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Tell us a little bit more more about your book. All right. Like I said, you know, it's the addiction nobody will talk about. And basically, mm-hmm. it's it's a memoir. If anybody's thinking that this is how okay. to stay away from porn or it's a bunch of numbers, it, it's not. It's just my story basically tracing uh, my life from 2010 to 2014, which was my really nasty descent into the pornography and in, into the alcoholism. Uh, it traces me building my magazine, which was an overnight success, much to my surprise, and how uh, somebody who had my you know, mental makeup um, really couldn't handle it. But I also had the kind of mental makeup where I, couldn't, I wouldn't listen to people who said I couldn't handle it. Um, and I found relief in coping in the absolute wrong places. Um, and basically it just, it, 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 it talks about how I, uh, you know, how I rocketed up high and then how I shot yeah. to rock bottom just as quickly. So you think this book would help a lot of people who are probably in the same places that you were in terms of uh, well, sexual pornography? Exactly. And I think I mentioned that, you know, it's it's designed for some people who don't know anything about it to maybe understand mm-hmm. that you know, a, a porn addict can be anybody. I've met lawyers and doctors yeah. and teachers and, 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 and homeless people and vagrants, it's, yeah. you know, in white, black men, women, there is yeah. no stereotypical yeah. user. And I think I think I that also uh, holds I think that holds true for some addicts, though. 
I, I'm sure there are people who are porn addicts who think to themselves, well, you know what? I make six figures a year. There's no way I can be that way. Or I'm a woman. There's no way I can be a porn addict. Um, and that's not true. And that's really what I hope you know, people get in this book is that it can be anybody. If it's, if you know, yeah. r- right now, statistics say about 25% of people look at porn every month at work. Now, why do one in four people need to look at porn at work? There's plenty of other time. Well, that that could be a problem, and I bet you that's not you know just the lowest of the low employees. That that's CEOs, that's high executives. No. So that's the you guy know, at you, the you top. Take, take, <laughs> exactly. Walk into walk into any business tomorrow and look around. Yeah. Statistically, one out of four of those people are accessing porn at work. That's that's mm. that's messed up. I mean, think about that. That many yeah, people yeah. aren't drinking at work. That many people aren't using drugs at work. Yet that many people feel the need to look at pornography at work. And I don't think they realize it's a big deal. And I didn't think it was that big a deal until it was far too late. I knew, I knew that my drinking was an issue because we talk about alcoholism. We don't talk about this. Yeah, Joshua, um, how are people reacting to your book? What is the response? I have been um, uh, not surprised, but pleased that people have been very open to it. Um, okay. There's, you know, there's a little bit of fear when because because my crime involved a 14-year-old girl. There's a little fear that people will not listen to me no matter what I say. But I think that yeah. you know it, it, it's been a pleasant surprise that people are able to recognize that you know I wasn't into little kids, that I made a mistake, um, yeah. and that you know I had I had a problem this mis- horrible mistake, uh, you know, and I should go to jail for something like this, uh, this horrible mistake actually probably saved my life um, based mm-hmm. on how, how fast I was going downhill and where I was going. Um, and, you know, I, I it, it's a little bit cheesy to say, but police officers at my door were like angels who saved my life. And yeah, it was, I, I, I would, I, I would honestly give you, George, even odds that I'd even be here today to talk to you had they not stepped mm-hmm. in because so much in my life yeah. was spinning out of control. I needed somebody to yeah. step in and basically destroy my life, and they did it for me. And at the time, it was scary and and shocking, yeah. but now that I've got four years to look back, it's like, thank God that happened. Thank God that happened. Yeah. And you're using your experience to help others. That's a good thing. Ab- Absolutely. You know, it's, 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 I feel Mm -hmm. this calling to share my story because I was so well known Mm -hmm. the the day I was arrested, when my wife picked me up at jail and we drove back to my house, there was a TV news van in front of my house. Mm -hmm. We had, we had to run from TV cameras a couple times that day. Um, It was the top story in the newspaper and TV news in Maine for several days over the next couple of years. Anytime I went to court, there were TV cameras there, and it was it was a big story um, because of who I was and how well known I was around here. And it still is very embarrassing, and there's still shame with it. Yeah. But I just yeah. I just have this inner feeling that I'm supposed to tell this story. It's already been told in the media. I can't hide anything. I can't you know just you know, hide in shame. I've got to let people know what happened to me. And if they don't want to listen, if they think I'm an evil, horrible person, that's on them. That's not on me. I'm going to tell my story. And if you want to hear it and you want to get a lesson from it, fantastic. And maybe at the end of this all, 
maybe I can actually help a few people. Maybe I can create a few less victims in this world. Maybe I wasn't put on this earth to be a magazine publisher. Maybe I wasn't put on this earth to be a politician. Maybe I was put on this earth to warn people about this. And, I, and this is what I had to go through to get to this point. Yeah, Joshua Shea on the Joshua Shea on the George Wilder Jr. show. Tell us where we can find your book, give a website if people are want to get in touch with you and find out a little bit more about this. How do we go by it? Yeah, well, I uh, you can buy my book, get in touch with me. You can learn more about recovery. You can you can learn more about porn addiction by coming to my website, and that yeah. website is recovering recoveringpornaddict.com. Nice and simple. It's what I am now. It's what I hope the people who come to my site will be. It's recoveringpornaddict.com. Will you be writing another book? I I will be. I've got two or three ideas, and I'm also collaborating with a uh, guy who is a professional in the field um, on what we can do to give mm -hmm. a very well-rounded look, both both from the expert end and the actual experience end. Um, in, in presenting the picture. So yes, I, I want to keep doing this. I want to keep sharing my story. I'm starting mm -hmm. to speak in yeah. libraries and in churches. I, 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 I just have this need to tell people this story and hopefully do some good in the world. All right, Joshua Shea on the George Wilder Jr. Show. I'm going to send you a link of this show so you can have this show uh, that you're on right now. You can put it on your website. You can share it with your friends and neighbors and everybody. So I will send you a link to the show, and I want to thank you for doing the show. And I want to wish you all and, the luck in the world. And thank thank you, George. You know, there are uh, a lot of people out there who, you know, don't want to touch my story with a 10-foot pole. And uh, we need more people like you who are willing to talk about some of the tougher tougher yeah. subjects because that's what makes us a better society so thank you very much and thank you bye-bye all right joshua shea on the george wilder jr show we will be right back folks
in my first guest, CNN political commentators Van Jones and Mike Shields, also Republican. I'm Keith Olbermann, and this is The Resistance. I am confident now, even more so than I have been throughout the last year, that this nightmare presidency of Donald John Trump will end prematurely and end soon, and I am thus also confident that this is the correct moment to end this series of commentaries. The important stuff first. There are seven routes in front of Trump. Each inevitably ends in his impeachment or resignation. The first, the likeliest, became a thousand times more likely with the Thanksgiving news of a possible deal between Robert Mueller and General Michael Flynn. As I reported here as long ago as April 4th, the most specifically qualified expert alive on the subject of prosecuting a president, my friend, the Nixon White House counsel John Dean, put it to me very simply. Mueller is not shooting down. Mueller does not make a deal with Flynn to get Paul Manafort. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Jared Kushner. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Trump Jr. Mueller makes a deal with Flynn to get Donald Trump. Period. The Flynn deal report suggests Mueller has completely assembled the backbone of his case and is now just hanging the meat from it. And just as importantly, if Flynn has merely considered a deal from Mueller, it almost necessarily means Flynn either doesn't believe he would get a pardon from Trump or that Mueller, as I've also reported here, has succeeded in finding a way around Trump's pardon power. And either of these near certainties spell Trump's doom. So that's the most obvious of the seven ways for Trump to go now. Mueller really will get him on Russia. It will be ugly, and it will tear this country nearly apart, but it will be necessary. The second way is, as I've also repeatedly suggested here, that Mueller doesn't really need to prove anything about Trump and Russian sabotage of the election. There seems to be so much obstruction of justice from the firing of James Comey to the lies about Trump Jr.'s meetings with the Russians, that it's hard to pick out a key player in the Trump inner circle who could not be guilty of it. Trump could be impeached on just obstruction of justice and a few lesser charges. Nixon was about to be. Or there is a third way. We could be spared the trauma of a Russia impeachment or an obstruction of justice impeachment as we were spared it with Nixon if Trump is smart or just sufficiently scared enough and he resigns, or if he isn't, those around him who could still sell themselves by selling him out will force him to resign. A modified version of this, of course, is the fourth possible outcome, that even if Mueller is months away from his denouement, the Republicans will impeach or remove Trump by spring purely to save their own asses. The state elections in Virginia and Oklahoma earlier this month show what could face Republican incumbents nationwide next November. Not only were Democratic victories overwhelming, but half of them were little morality plays. The 26-year-old lesbian beats the Republican in the district Trump won by nearly 40 points a year ago. The transgendered candidate in Virginia beats the guy who wrote an anti-equality bathroom bill. The boyfriend of a news reporter shot to death on camera beats the Republican pro-NRA candidate. I'll say it again. Richard Nixon was not forced out of office by Democrats, not really even by Watergate. Democrats controlled the Senate and the House every day Richard Nixon was president. They could have impeached him at any point. He resigned when the leading Republicans went into the White House and told him that not only would he be impeached and convicted, but he would take all of them down with him and they were not going to let him do that. So that's the fourth way out. Trump becomes more of an albatross to Republicans and, more importantly, more of a rallying cry to Democrats 
and the Republicans remove him before the midterms and then boastfully run for re-election on having removed him. The fifth endgame is the same thing, only faster. The Republicans around him pull off that palace coup that is perfectly legal under the 25th Amendment, and Mike Pence and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell eject Trump by simply stating he is unfit and getting their majorities to agree he's unfit. And if you don't think Pence and Ryan and McConnell would do that, you didn't see Trump's crazy tweet about the Man of the Year Award or this thing in front of the Native Americans on Monday, and you don't know Pence and Ryan and McConnell. The sixth means by which Trump leaves early is, of course, that if the Republicans don't impeach Trump before the midterms, the Democrats will be able to after the midterms. If Virginia and New Jersey and Oklahoma are indicators, the Democrats could take the House and might need as few as 25 vulnerable Republicans in the Senate to vote guilty to remove Trump from office. But now there is a seventh new path to destruction for Trump, and it has bubbled up from the sewer of his life recently. And even with how Teflon he has been on this particular subject, it seems hard to believe the dam won't break. His sexual conduct as not one snowball, but a decade's worth of them have come down that hill, wiping out all the sleaze bags and emboldening and empowering the victims. It seems impossible to believe that some claimant somewhere does not have tangible evidence against Trump and that they won't say to hell with it and break one of those non-disclosure agreements and Trump will suddenly be envying Harvey Weinstein. Trump himself inadvertently has hinted at this. The New York Times buried the lead on this over the weekend. But it reported that earlier this year, Trump told a senator that the Access Hollywood pussy grabber tape was a fake. And he has said the same thing, again, recently to a White House staffer. He's obviously trying to work the refs of public opinion in advance for whatever is coming next, from a woman here or from Russia. So, I don't see any way out for Trump. Seven freight trains rushing at him. He might avoid a few. He might avoid six of them. He's not going to dance his way out from under all seven. And we, I think, should try to put ourselves in the mindset of those Americans who knew Richard Nixon was guilty as hell after John Dean finished testifying on June 27, 1973. But we're all left wondering if there would ever be a way to prove it. And we're left listening to a majority of the country saying Dean was lying and left watching nearly the entirety of the gullible news media saying, this was nonsense. Why would a president, even one as crazy as Nixon, ever do this? And more importantly, even if he were somehow guilty, how would he ever be dumb enough to leave any evidence of his guilt? And 16 days later, it turned out Virtually everything in the Oval Office had been taped, and the ballgame was over, even though it would last another 13 months. Well, this ballgame is also over, and I don't think it's going to last another 13 months. And so this series is over. This was intended as something temporary, a two-month project by somebody who had given up politics. And instead it became 187 commentaries and around 225,000 words and something approaching 400 million views. And I am proud of it and I repudiate none of it. And it has been my privilege to do it and I'm especially proud to have done these videos for free and for charity. But frankly, I have not enjoyed one minute of it. As I'm certain it has also been for you, for me, it has been unadulterated pain and revulsion and horror the process has become nearly 24-7, and I've said so much that I can and have recycled old commentaries from months ago, and they have been fully applicable to breaking news.
We come full circle to such a complete degree that on Sunday, Trump tweeted a complaint about, quote, Russia, Russia, Russia. The title of the 46th episode of The Resistance from last March 14th was, quote, Russia, Russia, Russia. I've made my point. So now that I think the outcomes, the seven different inevitable outcomes, are unavoidable, I'd like to go back and enjoy some of my life again, and I'm going to. No illness, no scandal, no firing, just I've said what I've had to say. It was as obvious as I made it seem. I give my work everything I can, so it's not like I can dial it back. And I think even this dim-witted world of American political TV reporting, which is still calculating how to get Trump's idiot supporters to watch their networks and still waiting for Trump to pivot, even it can carry this the rest of the way. So I am retiring from political commentary in all media venues. All right. Thank you very much, Keith Olbermann. So not to Keith say Olbermann, bet. thank you so much. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, the George Wilder Jr. Show has now arrived.
President Trump says he can do whatever he wants with the Justice Department, making the comments during an impromptu interview with the New York Times, asked whether the Hillary Clinton email investigation should be reopened. He said, quote, I have the absolute right to do what I want with the Justice Department, but for the purposes of hopefully thinking I'm going to be treated fairly, I've stayed uninvolved. Hello, women of Massachusetts. And hello, friends of women of Massachusetts. I love you too. I am glad to have this chance to stand shoulder to shoulder to fight alongside the mayor of Boston for the people of this country. Thank you. So we're here today because of the power of women. The power of women to come up with good ideas like this rally. women to organize like this rally and the power of women to make sure that as our country enters a new political era that the voices of the people will be heard yesterday Donald Trump was sworn in as president is now burned into my eyes forever. <laughs> and I hope the same is true for you, because we will not forget. <clears throat> we do not want to forget. We will use that vision to make sure that we fight harder, we fight tougher, and we fight more passionately for than ever, not just for the people whom Donald Trump supports, but for all of America. People are worried. Donald Trump's campaign was about attacks on women, attacks on African Americans, attacks on Latinos, attacks on religious groups, attacks on immigrants, a Trump-Pence Supreme Court could overturn Roe versus Wade and dissolve marriages of LGBTQ citizens. A Republican Congress is eager to rip away health care from millions of Americas. America's hardworking families have taken one punch after another. Decades of trickle-down economics and attacks on unions, attacks on wages, attacks on pensions, attacks on health care, attacks on social security, attacks on education, attacks on infrastructure, and financial regulation have gutted America's middle class. A broken criminal justice system, a broken voting rights system, and decades of systematic racism have kept people of color from having the same opportunities as other Americans throughout this country. The, the fact is that the playing field has been tilted badly in favor of those at the top 
for a generation now. And now, President Trump and the Republican Congress are ready to ram through laws that will tilt it even harder. Now, we can whimper, we can whine, or we can fight back. Me, I'm here to fight back. I'm here to fight back. And that is why we come together today. Hundreds of thousands of people in Boston, in Washington, and across this country, we are in marches to say we are fighting back. That's who we are. We come here to stand shoulder to shoulder to make clear we are here, we will not be silent, we will not play dead, we will fight for what we believe in. Yeah! We have a vision, and that vision defines who we are as a people. First, we fight for basic dignity and respect for every human being, period. No compromise, no backing up. And second, we fight for economic opportunity, not just for those at the top, but for everyone. All of our kids deserve a fighting chance to get ahead. Respect for everyone, economic opportunity for everyone. That is the American deal, and that's what we fight for. Now, those core principles call out the best in who we are. For too long, American families have seen a government and an economy that isn't working for them. And Trump and the Republicans promised to make America worse. But we're here because we are ready to fight for the people who want to build a country that works for all of us. That's why we're here. We come together to give each other strength. We come together to give each other courage. We come together to remind each other of our values. As we get ready to march, let us remind each other what we believe in and why we fight and why we will keep right on fighting. We believe that no one in this country should work full time and live in poverty. And that means raising the minimum wage. Yes, it does. Paid overtime, sick leave, we will fight for it. We believe that workers have a right to come together and to bargain together. Unions built America's middle class and unions will rebuild America's middle class. We believe that every young person is entitled to get an education without getting crushed by student loan debt. We believe in debt-free college. 
say something that is really controversial in some places in Washington. We believe in science. Yeah. We know that climate change is real and we have a moral responsibility to protect this earth for our children and our grandchildren. Immigration makes us a stronger country. We will not build a stupid wall. <laughs> Making the world a better place, <laughs> one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. A slight break there, folks. I want to thank my guest once again, Joshua Shea, for being such a great guest. Um, this is just in, okay? Um, it says, um, Donald Trump is saying that we will react strongly to any attempt of anyone messing with the uh, 2018 election, meddling. To, to meddle in the 2018, he, it took him forever to come out to, to say this. But notice, he's not saying Russia. He's saying we will react strongly to any attempt, any attempt to at 2018 uh, election meddling. I guess any is the uh, operative word. But anyway, there is not, nothing here mentioned saying Russia. Give me a break. I, 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 because Donald Trump, you know, he is, he, he's in love with Russia. And for him to say this, I'm pretty sure his handlers around him, somebody pressured him to say this because Donald Trump doesn't have a, <laughs> he doesn't, he, he doesn't have a, a positive thought in his brain cell. So he's saying that we will react strongly. This is Donald Trump. I'm reading off the hill here. Uh, we will react strongly to any attempted, any attempted 2018 election meddling. However, so far there's nothing here about Russia. Donald Trump vowed to prevent Russia from okay, Russia. All right, my my mistake. Uh, Donald Trump vowed to vowed to prevent Russia from interfering in this year's midterm elections, even though he claimed that Moscow had no impact on the vote total during his run for president. Of course, 
he's been he's been denying Russia had anything to do with him being installed in in the White House for for as long as he's been there. And we all know he that's wrong. The intelligence agencies, uh, his intelligence agencies say he's wrong, but he's Donald Trump doesn't like the truth. There's something about the truth that doesn't just that does that doesn't figure with him. Okay, <laughs> it it doesn't compute with him. He doesn't like the truth. If you try to print or say the truth about him, you're gonna get fired. He doesn't want to hear the truth, especially if it's negative. Yeah. And he is the worst thing ever. He he really is. Uh, we're doing a very, very, okay, I, I'm quoting here. I'm thinking this is Donald Trump saying this. We're doing a very, very deep study and coming out with, with very strong suggestions on the 2018 election. Donald Trump, I know for a fact that Donald Trump and the Republicans, they hope Russia a medal in the election so they can win. Give me a break. The, the, the Republicans are all about cheating. They don't care who helps them win as long as they win. And and Russia knows this. Donald Trump is just throwing something out, out there. He's talking out of his ass again. He's just throwing something out there at us and think we're going to believe it. Okay, he's saying that he he is vowing to prevent Russia from interfering in 2016, 2018 election. Tomorrow he's going he's, he's gonna to deny it. Tomorrow he's going to say he never said it. Even though it's on video and in print, he'll say he never said it, or he'll act as if uh, he didn't say he'll change his mind, just like he did on the tariffs thing. Changed his mind. Um, at least it's been reported that he's changed his mind. He may change it back again. Who knows? But that this is how Donald Trump is. He'll say something one day, get everybody's ire up, and then he'll. <laughs> Somebody will whisper in his ear, then he changes his mind again, then he lies, then he changes his mind again. He doesn't know. He's all over the place. There is something mentally wrong with Donald Trump. There's no doubt about it. You can, I mean, it's not, it's not, you don't have to be a medical doctor to look at Donald Trump and say, hey, wow, this man is off his meds or something. You don't have to look at him. You don't have to, uh, 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 infer this. You just look at him, and it's all over his face. Something is not right with this guy. Every day he's looking older. The job is probably really, really stressful. That's why he's using taxpayer money every weekend to go play golf. A billionaire, supposedly a billion billionaire, and using taxpayer money to uh, stealing our money to uh, play golf. I, I call it theft. You know, theft. Uh, of taxpayer dollars, especially when he's running bu- running his businesses from the White House. He, <laughs> he, yeah. And I, I uh, if the Democrats take back both the House and the Senate, Donald Trump is out of there. A lot of a lot of the uh, Republicans and the Democrats wants to see Donald Trump stay in the White House. Uh, the only reason is, but the American people do not. We don't. But their reasoning is that. Um, they want to wait until Mueller's Bob, the special counsel, Bob Mueller, Mueller, uh, until his investigations are over because there's nothing been proven so far. It's all talk and speculation, but you know, 
if you know in Donald Trump and how he's been acting so guilty and a lot of these guys and girls around him been acting so guilty and we know they're all guilty. Bob Mueller knows they're guilty. Trump knows he's guilty. Congress knows he's guilty. We're just waiting for um, Bob Mueller to slap the indictments on it. That's it. But but Trump has done so much. I mean, you don't even have, if you think about it, um, he's done so much. We don't even need the uh, Russia investigation to, to lock him up. I mean, the way he's been destroying this country and want to destroy it in the name of his lover, Vladimir Putin, Russia. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Yeah, it says here the latest thing that I've got here, folks, on my uh, computer is that President Trump uh, vowed to prevent Russia. Uh, this is the first time I, you know, if this is true, which I'm thinking it is because it's from a, uh, a upstanding uh, website, news website. Uh, I, I just don't believe it because uh, he hasn't, he has not put the sanctions on Russia that both the House and the Senate has passed and put on his desk. And he's, you know, he, he's just not doing it. I'm, I'm thinking somebody somewhere is whispering in his ear, telling him what to say, telling him how to say it, telling him when to say it, because Trump doesn't have the brain power to do these things on his own. And we know it. The, the White House itself is in chaos. People are being fired left and right. People are quitting left and right. People are leaving left and right. It is so many positions, vacancies in, um, that are not being filled in the White House for numerous reasons. But one of the reasons is, is that nobody really wants to work with Donald Trump. Nobody wants to work with somebody who may be indicted at any moment. Nobody wants, nobody wants to work for someone who is mean, nasty, vile, mean, honorary, hateful, racist, bigoted. Nobody wants to work for Donald Trump because he is all of those things, and we all know that. So he's uh, – I'm pretty sure whoever told him to say that, he didn't want to say it. He didn't really want to say it. But he knows that the Republicans are in trouble all across the country when it comes to voting. Liberals, Democrats, progressives are making it to the polls in droves and voting these assholes out. I heard someone talk the other day about a one-party system. It may just end up a one party system folks uh the republicans may um may be going down for good they may be going down for good the party may be over for good because of what uh, what has transpired while they were in power bunch of crooks thugs liars you name it stupids you name it so this may be the end for the Republican Party. And it couldn't happen to a nicer bunch. It couldn't happen to a nice, nicer group of folks. But let me put it that way. 
because I do think that once the Republicans are voted out of office, and they will be, they will never be voted back in because it's it's always going to harp back to treason, traitor, liars, thugs, criminals, aiders, and abettors to a treasonous president. It's always going to harp back to and America. Americans are not going to stand for it because the Trump administration, the Republicans, they're not only hurting Democrats, they're hurting the people that voted for them. They're hurting their own constituency and they just don't give a damn. They're hurting the people who put their asses in office. Trump said the other day he wanted to be president for life. It's not going to happen. It means he wants to be a dictator for life. The guy is off his damn rocker. And he admires uh, uh, leaders around the world who are in positions for life. If Donald Trump wants to be something for life, let him become a Supreme Court justice. Donald Trump knows nothing about the law or, or even his even the job he's doing. He doesn't. Donald Trump doesn't think of it think of it as a job. He think of it as some people kissing his ass, and they do. I mean. They really do kiss his ass in that White House and 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 the um Republicans. They really do kiss that man's ass. It's just <laughs> it, it's just phenomenal how they just kiss his ass. Forget about the people who put their asses in office. Forget about the people who voted for them, who gave them their jobs. Forget about the people who gave them their great health care. They give all of that up just to they give all of that up just for the opportunity to kiss Trump's ass. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We have just about four minutes left into the show. And this has been a great show, folks. I've, I've been off for a couple of days doing some things like writing and, you know, learning a few things and, you know, music. I'm a musician, as some people know, and we do that. And uh, this is just great to be back and the great great to be with you and uh, we're gonna um, try to have the best guests on the show uh, we're still booking guests as I speak and it will happen you know because this is a great show this is a wonderful show I love doing it I've been doing it for almost four years four years yeah constantly four years I mean I've got four years worth of shows on this website so I mean check them out you know they all sound like they could have been uh, podcaster today. <laughs> They're so fresh and light and, and bright. And I do appreciate them. I, I appreciate them all. Some people ask me, George, do you listen to your own shows after they're recorded? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Uh, sometimes I'm reluctant to listen to them. But uh, I'm going to say yes and no uh, because I, I have to you know, really keep doing them and do so many of them and you don't have time to actually listen to some of them. But if I listen to one of my shows, it's because I want want to uh, verify something that a guest said on the show. But anyway, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. We're going to do this right now and then we will be right back.
Everybody around the world. All right, bye-bye, everybody, and thanks for listening. Make sure you tune in tomorrow to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Bye.